Greetings, Standard Nerds. This is Christopher McClanahan of DeeplyDapper.com. And Tom Chiaramonte of Third Rail Design Lab. And it's time to... Release the... Kraken! This week on Robot Kraken, we appease the beast with talk of Alien Covenant, the new Han Solo movie, superheroes on TV, and in our big review, we talk about the newest episode of Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 3, Oathbreaker. Enjoy, little Krakens. What are you drinking, Tom? Is this the Sucking the Monkey segment? This is the Sucking the Monkey segment. This is the part where I tell you what I'm drinking and you tell me what you're drinking and we pretend like we're drinking it together in the same place, but we're not. As if we are real friends. As, well, we're cyber friends. We're real friends. <laughs> cyber friends. That sounds dirty. <laughs> sounds very 1986, doesn't it? It does. Welcome to <laughs> Well, What am I having? I'm having a delicious uh, uh, beer. I'm having a Speakeasy Metropolis Lager. Oh, you, you and, should be the box of those. I liked the packaging. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you can see oh, it there, but there as you go. can see, it's Ooh, got that's a, a that's a really sexy 30s. package. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that means it's good, right? If it has it's got a graphic. zeppelin on it, it's got to be delicious. This is another uh, local San Francisco uh, bottler. So, did you have to wait in line and and no. renew the queue to get this one? I did. Whatever's the opposite of that, then I like it better. <laughs> yeah, and it has a better package than the other one, anyway. I like it. You sure does. <laughs> <laughs> I still think on the Pliny they should have just sharpie the, the label. It yeah, really. It'd be more consistent with the with the style of marketing for it. <laughs> I'm currently drink, drinking. I'm drinking a Monster Energy drink right now because I am completely out of beer and I didn't want to start in on the alcohol quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wise policy. I've seen how this yes. goes. You can't just be spending all your free time rebuilding shelves each time. You need to right. pace yourself. Yeah, that's that's fine. How you doing? Not too bad. I, I, well, that's not entirely true. I'm actually miserable right now. I've got some of the worst allergies I've had in years. But other than that, not too bad. How so, about you? Uh, so we postponed this a day to give you a chance to be 100% cured of your allergies yes. in time for the recording, and it didn't happen. Amazingly, my body did not adapt in the 17 hours that I had to decide that the the, the amount of pollen and like cottonwood fluff and stuff that's flowing around outside looks like a blizzard at times. It's amazing to me how strong it is this year. We even went out in trouble. Like we bought local honey and I'm all hopped up on allergy pills and it still feels like somebody took my sinuses and replaced what's normally in your sinuses with that expanding foam insulation stuff. Oh sure, yeah. It's miserable. It's it's not a good sign when you step outside and you look at your your porch or whatever and it's a color. Right. Of all the pollen that's falling <laughs> down and you, and maybe you just swept it or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Know, How about you? How's your <clears throat> week been? You know, I'm, I'm under the weather, but I'm feeling pretty good, all, all things considered. Um, and, uh, you know, just coming off of a, an incredible weekend of fun things, uh, you know, my body's almost – I almost feel like my body's recovering from all that enthusiasm. Right. It's, it's, it's sort of numb from the shock of it all. <laughs> it was all good things. All good things, huh? That's always a good yeah, thing. So, 
Yeah, so Friday, <laughs> so Friday I saw Civil War. Yeah. We, we thought maybe we talk about that. We we might talk about that. That seems like a good subject. A subject. And then <laughs> uh Saturday I went to a Giants game mm-hmm. for it's a fan appreciation day that they do, and it was the Marvel Superheroes Day. And so my buddy uh, Blake got me this VIP package. He does sort of as a birthday tradition, and we go in a few hours early, and and uh, I, I won't say it's free, but you know because you're paying for the package. But you know <laughs> right. you have unlimited, you get food and 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 beers, and they have a bunch of swag that you get. And then Stan Lee comes and does a Q and A and talks about stuff and whatever. So it's kind of a fun thing. Um, it's super fun actually, just the the spectacle of it. So, so does, we did that Saturday. Does Stan Lee live out in that area now? Oh no, no, no. Oh. He's still flying in for it. And in fact, uh, you know they they have a stage where they do the Q and A. This is the second time we've gone, and and the last time he came in from sort of stage stage left. He came in uh, down the triples alley, which is where this is held, mm-hmm. under basically under the stadium, and. And Blake stepped in front of him and was like, hey, Stan. And then Stan was like, hey. He goes, I love you, Stan. And he got this photograph with him. <laughs> and I was like looking down at my hot dog or something when Stan Lee walked by. I didn't even see it there. <laughs> but uh, this this year, there was no such spectacle. It was like as if everything was set in place. And we saw they had one of those um, like a computer screen with a video conferencing system on it mm-hmm. up on the stage. And it looked like what they thought video conferencing would be in 1995. Like it was this huge <laughs> beige monolith with a screen in it nice. and so everyone thought that stanley was phoning it in they were you know literally and right. frustrated pointed out to a few people you know he's in his 90s it's okay if he decides to not fly down for a, for a single day, day. At the rainy charo park yeah exactly <laughs> but in the end uh, he did come on stage and he was there and it was uh they were bringing in um uh marvel editor who was um, being asked to provide some commentary as well. Is that his and name, then, yeah. Marvel editor? Uh, it's uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Alonso. Alonso. Oh, Alex Elz, Alexonzo or whatever. That one. Alex and, Excelsior. Uh, yes, and but the <laughs> the signal was choppy and you couldn't really hear him, and so he just looked frustrated on the screen. But uh, also <laughs> the actor, his name eludes me, uh, but uh, who plays Nabu on uh, Daredevil, the the immortal. Han Ninja in season oh, two. I didn't he know was that there. was that he shared a name with the planet that Queen Amidala lived on. Naboo and Nobu. One oh, of Nobu. them was a ninja and one of them was a doomed planet. I don't know. One is Nobu, the other is all boo. All <laughs> so he was there and he was super cool. Uh so he did some interviews before uh Stanley came on and, and, right and on. Uh, even in his nineties Stanley is hilarious. So I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's super sharp. So we did that whole thing, and then they walk you out on the, you know, on the grounds out to your wherever your seats are for the actual game. And it was raining, so we thought they were going to call it, but in the end, they decided to go go ahead with the game after heating the the grass and all that. And what troopers? You know, just, I know, and and maybe five. <laughs> well, you got to remember this is an open air stadium because they don't expect to be playing in in torrential rains or snow. An open like, air stadium snow. in California. Yeah, and so I'm just saying, when it's significantly raining, as I understand it, they'll play in the rain. It's just if the mound, if the pitcher's mound gets too slippery, that's when they call it because they're afraid he's going to do a cartoon spin and crap. Like, you have to understand, Chris, at times it was less than 72 degrees out. <laughs> it, was, it, was actually, it was like 51. Uh, and last year I rode my bike, so I was in dire straits with 
shorts on and 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 blake actually bought me a comfy blanket to tuck into keep me keep me from uh suffering in the elements but this year it was it it rained the the first six maybe the first six innings and then it was off and on for the rest of it but we still had a great time isn't there seven innings in a baseball game do you know how long this went how long bottom of the 13th how is that is that abnormally long i genuinely don't know I remember uh, there's a stretch at some point that they do. Yeah, at the end of the normal – normally if someone has scored, you get to the normal round of innings and, and the game is over. But if it's a tie or no one has scored, they just keep playing. That's and how so baseball works, the, huh? Yep. In the tenth, yes. And in the 10th <laughs> inning, uh, the Rockies got a hit and then – or they got a, a, a run. And then San Francisco got one too. So now they were tied. They uh-huh. went to the 11th, 12th, 13th, and then finally – Stacked it and won uh, huh. at the very end. So that was fun. We got a lot of baseball for our money, or for Blake's money. <laughs> for someone's and then Sunday money. was Game of Thrones. So yay! Like three days. Total spectacle. That's pretty awesome. But, and you, you that you guys went out. We did. We went to Civil War. We saw it on the screen at the theater. It was very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Undersell it. I saw all the explanation points you tweet, tweeted I, before you. I feel like I've done something other than that, but like yesterday, I literally sat here with my head on my desk, feeling miserable a good chunk of the day. I did a bunch of flatting for our buddy Michael Calero because I couldn't concentrate oh. on anything more detailed than outlining things and filling it with random colors. Sure. So. Yeah, it's been uh, – considering I have a fairly large con coming up in three days, I feel fairly relaxed. But I have like 600 soaps to make tomorrow. So <laughs> That's why we're going to do a 45-minute podcast. Yes, right. 45 minutes. I think we're at almost that point now. <laughs> For sure. That's intro. <laughs> so is there any news coming up? Is there anything exciting going on in the world of us? I think so. I think there's a lot of exciting things coming up. Uh, I'll tell you something that I think is exciting. What is exciting? Uh, they're filming Alien Covenant. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but the proof that it's filming is they Oh, the posted... patch. Yeah. Yeah, the patch, right? Yeah. And so, you know, being a standard nerd, I saw the patch and I got really excited. I wanted to buy the the patch and the jacket <laughs> it's on. But, uh, you know, so that's just nice to see that it's happening even though um, – you know, the, the reactions to Prometheus were a mixed bag at best. Right. I still enjoyed it, and I like the the world that they're working with, so I choose to be very optimistic about it. Isn't so. that how they teased the Star Trek movie, too, was uh, the patch? Yes. And Is that the new that custom happened, tease? <laughs> well, even though that happened first, Star Trek Beyond's getting such bad uh, pre-release buzz in terms of its marketing mm-hmm. blunders. That I'm sure they're accused of copying Alien Covenant. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Three months early. But yeah. So anyway, that was just a thing. I'm just excited about it. Now is is Scott directing this one? Yes. Okay. Yes. And those interviews that he was giving, those almost Brian Singer level of, uh, apologist <laughs> emails. Right. Not so much. He he actually was doing what I thought Brian Singer should have done last time we talked about it. He, yeah. Really, Scott's just saying, screw you, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. He's he's All like right. he's fairly old, isn't he? I think he's in his eighties now. Yeah. So he, but what was alarming in what, in what he wrote was that he was he was uh, he was pinning <clears throat> everything. You okay, there. Yeah. I'm now okay. I just saw some of the foam come out of your ear. <laughs> um, 
he was pinning all of these references in the aliens world continuity directly to Judeo-Christian concepts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I want a whole lot of less of that. Right. I don't need, I don't need Jesus as an engineer. No, not so much. Yeah. We want, we want acid blood and, and butch Marines and death. (laughs) Yeah. I was listening to the weekly planet podcast last week and they did a, um, they did, they did a uh, an episode where they went back and talked about some alien, the various alien films that they mm-hmm. chose to. I think they got through the first two, and they were talking about a lot of um, trivia and little details about it. And um, it was really interesting. It made me want to rewatch all the movies, well, at least the first two, <laughs> and maybe. I like but, the third one. Okay, I haven't seen the fourth one in so long that I remember not liking it, but I don't actually remember any details as to why I didn't like it. I remember feeling like it was very uneven yeah. and uh, that on a writer seemed like stunt casting and it just something was and also didn't they do like a clone of Ripley or something in that? I don't even it remember. It seems like it. there was some sort of like weird like half alien half Ripley clone thing and bodies and tubes which normally I'm really excited about but mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about this one. I'll have to, we'll have to watch it sometime. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> so Aliens 3 I saw a pre-screener back when it was still in post production mm-hmm. and it was a longer cut that had about 30 minutes more 25 minutes more uh content about Ripley and her sort of establishing her background when she was crashed on the on the colony oh, on, really? on the prison planet and forming a relationship with the with the doctor that she was in with and and you know there was enough there there yeah. so that when the alien attacked it was it actually meant something that he was and he started with the one guy on the planet that she was shacking up with. So right. Yeah, it, it added it. some relationship to it. Yeah. The, uh, the effects weren't in, so they were just kind of uh, color blocks, you know, as oh, it's coming down, looking at this block. It's not like it's not like it was a sweeted version where there's a cardboard ship coming. It's just a, <laughs> a block of That green. would be amazing if they did It would that. be awesome. <laughs> but uh, the, the single most egregious change to me was the um, – was the uh, – uh, you know when she at the end she realizes that um, the company's after the the, the DNA the, or whatever the, yeah the egg in her or whatever yeah um, in the cut that I saw mm-hmm. she jumps off the railing and 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 falls to her death in the vat of acid isn't that how it is. ends no because they edited it to be that she throws a full on you know uh, the alien chest bursts. And she grabs it. And oh she yeah! And, and, and holds on to it and brings it down into the into the fire pit as some sort of redemption for her, because I guess the because um, we had to write the cards, you know, and everybody was really upset that they felt like she just got three movies worth of raw deal and then just took a pitch over the side of the. <laughs> really, it wasn't even clear to some of the people in the audience that she deliberately went over the side um, to suicide rather than give them the host. Right? Oh, gotcha. So made it much. Uh, more obvious in a way that I didn't like. Right. But to drive the, the nail home. Exactly. Exactly. That's a great turn of phrase for what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> what else? What else is happening? Um, I did just notice – well, I didn't just notice. I noticed a few days ago that they have officially cast the new young Han Solo in the Han Solo solo film. Han Solo solo. <laughs> solo, solo. It's a double solo. <laughs> Welcome to the meme for the next year and a half, I'm yes. sure. Yes. Alden Ehrenreich is the new Han Solo. 
He's who we were hoping for, right? Yes, he is the cowboy from Hail Caesar that was so good in that. I'm, I'm actually, he was the only one on the shortlist that I was actually excited about. Me too. Yeah, and and it seems it, it's so threatening to be a risk that might backfire. You know, the, the movie right. we don't need, the young version of Han Solo. It's sort of like the young Indiana Jones before I guess that, I guess that worked more than I <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like it, but anyway. <laughs> but th- this seemed this seemed, uh, especially in light of what happens in the Force Awakens, uh, it seemed a pretty risky venture to do a, a young Han Solo film, and I think they got the actor for it. I think so too. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see this. He hasn't been in much, but just that one scene him. alone, mm-hmm. he really pulls off kind of that charm and the goofiness and I, I don't know. I'm really excited to see him as it. It feels like it has a lot of potential to be something more than just a, a nostalgic cash grab. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Unless you're of the contingent that think all of the Disney star Wars stuff is a nostalgic cash grab. In which case, <laughs> well, there is that seen I Rogue One trailer. Enough. Right. <laughs> so how about you? Here's Anything else you're excited about this week? Here's where we pause and watch a rogue one trailer. three or four more times. <laughs> Oh, I just have it on in a loop in the background. <laughs> it's projecting <laughs> on the sheet behind the screen here. Getting ready for bed ritual for me. Right. Uh, yeah, so let's see what else. Uh, I was disturbed and, and saddened uh, to learn that they are very likely canceling Agent Carter. Yeah, I'm pretty I, – considering I haven't seen anything but the first episode of that and I want to see more, I'm really upset about that too. But I can't be that upset because I didn't support it in any meaningful fashion. <laughs> but you get – but in concept, you see the problem here that you have a complex uh, alpha female character pl- played by a very talented actress leading the show. Right. Who's not being? Who's not only not being rescued by other people and put put in those beta roles, but in fact doesn't even doesn't even uh, circumvent them by being a carbon copy of what a, maybe a male character might do. Right. She's still a character. She still has vulnerabilities. She's in the you know in a time period where the sexism is blatant even more than it is today. Right. And and they managed to use that as characterization in the story over those seasons. I mean, I thought it was an incredibly important genre show to have um i would have loved my daughter to be watching agent carter season 14 or whatever yeah right? yeah absolutely um, so anyway, i can I'm understand kidding. i mean the the period pieces are always a harder sell they're also harder to do they're more expensive because they're period pieces but yeah i would have really liked to have seen it gone on longer well and and since they've had so much trouble uh with bringing powerful female characters in the Marvel universe to the screen right. in a meaningful way, it's sad to see that the next step forward is a step backwards by canceling the one show that was doing it right in every way. Well, and but, particularly when you look at it compared to the way DC has done theirs, where Supergirl's a fine show, but it's just straight up lighthearted, goofy, right. woman in the workplace comedy type stuff with action and kind of the the standard DC TV type stuff going on and for them to take the Marvel one that is so charming and thoughtful and the way they do it they they don't 
they don't look down on the female character the kind of the what way that Supergirl does. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty bummed about seen? that. How much of Supergirl have you seen? I've seen the first five episodes of Supergirl. So I'm behind on it, too. It's fun, but it's extremely episodic. Like, the what happens in this episode has nothing to do with the ne- next episode, aside from maybe one or two little storylines. And, like, there's a conveniently crashed prison ship, so there's all these escaped kryptonites right. and kryptonites. Escaped huh. krypto- kryptonians and that kind of thing. So it's not, like, it's not even like a... a one villain overarching defeat or a group of people working it's just random villain of the week type stuff yeah well uh you know as really as it relates to that they i think they're saying that that may be renewed for the second season but possibly because it's not yet right has not been confirmed and they're saying it could move to the cw with a with a budget being slashed Hmm. which would offend people who have gotten used to its quality as compared to uh, flash and arrow which really made me want to see it more because i thought well i think they do a lot with a little right a budget on flash and arrow from what i can see yeah so you know but like you say i i get the sense that it's kind of i don't know if condescending is the right word but it feels like supergirl and and frankly all of the, the female characters i've seen out of the dc shows so far mm-hmm. have been very um one note yeah absolutely I not that completely. the male characters are particularly complex. No, they're not. <laughs> it really is still teen teen uh, soap operas. But right, um, I just started watching Flash. By the way, oh really? So what do you think I'm of it so far? Fifth episode. Uh, I like enough of it that it's it's got me interested. Even though I still feel like I'm watching a teen a teen targeted soap, mm-hmm. which pulls me out of it. Right. So the 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 structure of the shows makes me feel like I'm watching, you know, whatever those, you know, whatever the, whatever we used to watch when, when we were younger, I can't even think of something like, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, Melrose place and yeah. those kinds of shows feels like that. And I know that's that whole system that, that, that they've been doing for years and years now. Because they write it like a soap opera instead of a serialized story, basically. Right. All these, these popular genre shows that are coming off of, uh, off of that channel are, are, uh, you know, they're a teen soap that's disguised as a genre story, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. No, but it it pulls me out of it. Well, but and this, the style of writing those is just so different from stuff like Daredevil and Jessica Jones that are striking because they take the season and they're like, okay, this is the story we're telling over the course of these ten episodes, right. and this is the other stuff that happens in each episode to make that episode kind of standalone. But there's yeah. always that overarching extra story that's the major plot, and they rarely have that in the other television shows, and I think that's really what the the major detriment is in me being into those and watching them regularly i just don't have any reason the um the thing about flash i like the um i really like the lead actor who the one that uh snyder famously did oh yeah trying to pre-defend uh justice league right but uh i actually think he's very charismatic and he and he sells it uh and i love tom uh what's his name as his uh, his mentor. I'm not very well prepared for this subject, but you know uh, uh, what's his name from Ed? Not Ed. What's his name from uh... what was the show? What was the show? I have he no went idea back, what you're talking he went back about. To his so. child, went back to his hometown. <laughs> successful lawyer and uh, wanted to woo his childhood sweetheart. 
Northern oh, anyway. exposure? No. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to definitely not go to Imdaba right now. No, Tom, Cav- Tom Cavanaugh. Tom Cavanaugh, maybe? Tom Cavanaugh. Is the, is the actor. In I don't even movie. know what show we're talking about now. We're talking about Flash. Okay. And uh, Flash. 2014. Wow. I didn't know it was on that long. Um, okay. So his name is, yeah, Tom Cavanaugh as Dr. Harrison Wells. So I, I got the what, sense from. What was Tom Cavanaugh on previously? What, what was it you were talking uh, about? Just for the, the viewers at home, not because I'm completely lost. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, it was Ed. Okay, it was the show Ed. Ed. Okay. It I had, don't think I've seen that. His childhood sweet. It was in 2000, and his childhood sweetheart, who was still in that hometown when he moved back, is uh, Julie Bowen, who plays uh, the mom. Uh, oh, in Modern Family. Claire, Claire, right? Yeah. So anyway, I see him being this very uh, an actor playing a very quirky, whimsical sort of. You know, a nutty way of, of being uh, puppy-like charismatic. And so mm-hmm. his calm cadence as Dr. Wells is really neat. And mm-hmm. I had only, and I had seen all the, the, the stuff that's come through on, on the news sites about that show over two seasons. And, and I know his dark turn, or at least I think I do. So I was surprised going into the beginning of the show and discovering that they broadcast that right away. You're, you're supposed mm-hmm. to know something's that's up. That's interesting. Immediately. Have you not seen it? Did you tell me? No, I've not seen it. I haven't seen Flash uh, or Ed actually. So oh, okay. Well, um, and the other thing is, I really like the Flash uh, uniform. I think it's a really successful interpretation of a of a superhero uh, costume with some functional attributes. Nice uh, being designed into it, and that's part of the story is how to make it hold up and how how to feed him and how to learn about him. He's got whole star oh, interesting. Labs. I like that. He, he, yeah, studying him so they can see how he's consuming his his calories and how to replenish him and what okay. parts are more fresh and and you know I don't know. So. Right on. So does his ring still hold his costume in it? Does he open his ring to pop the costume? In? <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Oh but, man! But past him being who this is, the reason this came <laughs> up was that the female characters on the show are variations on girlfriend material, uh, or they are you know. But whatever whatever it is they're doing, it's like they enter the scene, they do something, and then and then they and then they're and then they cut to another adventure component of the story. But they and they even feel written as if someone is uh, compensating. Well, she's really independent and <laughs> she's a real firecracker. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't feel legitimate compared to again uh, Agent Carter, which felt very natural in her uh, the complexity of the character. So right on. So that's that. Very disappointed. Yes. Agent Carter. News item. News item. Uh, Star Wars Day happened, which I liked. And there was a lot of spectacle on the web. That was mm-hmm. last week. And everybody was posting things. And there was a lot of stuff in social media. And I did that, too. And I drew some stuff. But what I liked the most was that they did a quick video from the set. And Daisy Ridley had some commentary where she's saying, you know, hey, happy Star Wars Day and here's some charity stuff we're doing. Right. And and there was a there was a guy in prosthetics as an alien mm-hmm. um, resistance alien that comes up and gives her something or whatever and then stands her out. And then <laughs> behind him comes. Uh, well, Akbar shows up, which is a fan favorite. Right. Right. And then you know, my favorite alien from 
uh, Force Awakens, Elo Asti, the, <laughs> the Resistance pilot named after the Beastie Boys album. Right. He's in the background, and it's the most I've seen of him at all <laughs> because he has like seven seconds of screen time in Force Awakens. But uh, so I was. You know, that video kind of threw me, though, because I kind of always assumed in my head for some reason that he didn't have normal people feet. Oh, like, really? Yeah. For some reason in my head, I assumed he had some sort of like webbed feet or something more uniquely shaped than just human feet. My son's probably decapitated it somewhere, but I did um, make the mistake of. Did you open it? Seat. Oh, they just, yeah. They opened <laughs> it up. I don't know why I was not doing it when they opened right. everything else, but yeah, he's. He's long gone, and he has no, he's like a normal body with his giant face on. Oh, okay. But it's cool. It's Elo Asti. My man, Elo Asti. So Would you like him video. just as well if he didn't have that name? No, not at all. I've been... <laughs> what are we going to talk about? I think it's time to review something. things because there's lots of cool things out there that we want to talk about. Crack and review. Crack and reviews. I think we need to talk about Game of Tolls. Game of Thrones. Sorry, or as Tom Game calls of, it, Game of Toll. So we watched uh, uh, episode uh, three, three, right? Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker. Doesn't that sound like a D and D sword? It really like does. That? Honestly, so it first... sounds like a Game of Thrones sword. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw the title, I thought, "Well, it's going to be." But uh, yeah. Okay. So, so to warn the up. listeners at home, there will be spoilers for this episode of Game of Thrones. Like and spoilers. for previous episodes of Game of Thrones. Also all spoilers. Everything is spoiled in Robot Kraken. Because we can't rein ourselves in. No way. What's we the released point? the Kraken. <laughs> we did. The Kraken was released. So did you enjoy this episode? I did. I am not 100% sure where the quote... I guess, okay, I guess I know where the quote, the, the title came from now that I think about it. It's clearly the last, the last scene. scene, yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I I found the second to last scene a lot more shocking than the last scene. Second to last scene. In the in Winterfell. Ah, yes. This is when uh, they brought in, uh, what's his name, Stark? Yes. Right? What's his right? name, Stark? What's his name, Stark? Rickon. Um, what was what's his what's his first name again? Rickon. We haven't seen him in forever. No, he's it's been at least two seasons since we've seen him. He seems to have grown up less than Bran, which I thought was interesting. Yes, that's strange. Uh, what, what's 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 his name? Imdebut. Are you are you talking about the actor? His name is Art Parkinson. No, I was thinking about the actual Rickon the Stark. What is it, Rickon? Yeah, Rickon. Rickon. I said it three times while you were asking me what the name of it was. Well, what, what was his name again? Rickon. <laughs> Shaggy Dog. Shaggy Dog. He seems younger than Brent. He, well, he was younger. He was the little brother. So doing it all right. Yes. He should be younger. But I so, was really surprised by that. We're skipping ahead to the second to last scene here because right. chronologically isn't really even worth here. But I was really surprised by that when the uh, – who was it that gave that to him? The Umbers, I think? Right. Yeah, who I thought was awesome. Small John, where he was just totally sarcastic and bitchy to him. Wouldn't kneel. <laughs> I will not take the knee. Uh, and that, isn't that funny, though, that it's like he's repeatedly uh, facing against other other uh, clans in the north that are refusing to play ball. Right. But they are, but they aren't, right? Yeah, which is not something I would trust to have at my back if I'm going into war, that's for sure. It's the bed he made, right? Right. 
So in the previous, well, so I guess that was uh, season four. Mm-hmm. So did he, did he go off with the wildling woman? Yeah, they went off. Um, they were together with Hodor. And right. Then, and, and then, then Hodor and Bran went over the wall. Mm-hmm. And they were supposed to have been heading to – I don't remember where they were headed. I, it's possible they were headed to the Umbers because I thought the Umbers were – like they'd sworn fealty to Catelyn if I remember right and the North. And so they thought they would be safe there and apparently not. <laughs> no, <not> <laughs> Having not read the books, I was very interested in whether they were going to make – more references to the fact that uh, Ramsey's first mate over there is a right. Karstark. Right. I don't know enough about the split of the clans, but I assume that they were once the same family that broke apart, or yes, I don't know, something like that. Like I I honestly don't know exactly what the the breakdown is on that either. But they were the ones who Ned Ned beheaded their guy mm-hmm. in the. In the first season, right? Wasn't he a car Stark that he beheaded? Yes, I believe so. Something like that, right? Yeah. It was a great. I mean, it was a great scene. It was interesting to watch Ramsey um, trying to regain control of mm-hmm. that of that narrative, even though it's not gonna <laughs> right. Swear, I swear fealty to you uh, that they were coming to terms on an alliance that was not based on the traditions of the past. Right. Which is interesting to me. It really just came down to the fact that Small John was pissed off about wildlings in his backyard and was like, okay, this guy's got the army. I'll go give him something so that he'll come take care of these wildlings, basically, it seemed like. But But if Game of Thrones as a whole is a story of governing systems falling apart, Mm hmm and we've seen season after season now we've seen backstabbing well i mean it's based on the 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 premise that we haven't seen of the mad king and the rebellion and all that stuff mm-hmm. but it's it's all it's all premised on people still trying to recapture or continue these same feudal style traditions restore the order get, right. the, get the crown back get everybody to swear again let's calm everything down and in the meantime, they're backstabbing and betraying each other and doing these horrible things. Uh, so they're really not following the traditions that they're claiming to follow. Just At like all. Right. In the real world, right? <laughs> um, and this was an example of where they're not even – the pretense is not even there. Right. Ramsey tries to set it up that way like he's going to try to legitimize himself that way and it doesn't even happen. Yeah, so I'm really I curious to cool. see where this goes with – one of the only Starks, as far as they're aware, the only male Stark right. still living, um, who they had all thought was dead, is suddenly reappeared at Winterfell. So I'm curious whether Ramsay's going to see this as an opportunity or a threat towards his yeah. reigning of Winterfell. I, I figured that they were going to hold on to him as a hostage or as mm-hmm. a insurance, right? Yeah. Because he wanted he – wanted Sansa because he wanted to get an heir. Right. And legitimize you know, that was to legitimize the claim to the to Winterfell. But here you know, here all it is is protection against someone who might come calling, right? Well and I think as far as they're concerned for all intents and purposes, they assume that Jon Snow is still in charge of the Night's Watch, which means they have they his al- half brother. Right. But they also are saying they're being very clear about saying that Jon Snow is not a Stark, right? right. Jon Snow is Jon Snow. And in another scene, when the Waif is training 
the waif and then the faceless man are training mm-hmm. Arya. And that whole montage, the fight montage, right. she trains really quick. Uh, <laughs> it's the eye of the turn. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally it was such a, once again, it was such a counterpoint to like previous seasons where we got, you know, 10 episodes of trudging through the forest. Right. Now she went from blind, you know, blind and begging to doing all the things you were demanding. <laughs> <laughs> they listened to me. They really yeah. listened. <laughs> um, and they did a good job of it. I mean, yeah. assuming they accept that there was a fair amount of time that went on in that story. Right. That was tell. But they did. There was a, a part that I liked where he said, where no, Wave said, you know, tell me about your family. You know, and I, you know, I have a sister and I have five brothers. Whack. I have four brothers. Right. Right? So it was very, they were fairly clearly making a point that Jon Snow was not a Stark. Stark. Which to me seems to be another broadcasting that they're going to push him in the Targaryen direction. Right. Well, and regardless of whether he's a Stark or not, I think Karstark and those guys all certainly assume that he would have some hesitation about doing anything that would cause his half-brother's death at the same time. Right. I mean, he's a bargaining chip in some form, at least. But like you said, they all think he's still a captain of the Night's Watch. Right. There's no way he's back down. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, it was did. pretty interesting. I thought that was a good scene. It surprised me. It was one of the things that's happened in this season so far that I'm like, no way. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it came out of nowhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they pulled Asha out. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is wild, man. <laughs> and also, I didn't expect – I mean, I knew that there was going to be a lot of Sam's family – this season, but for some reason I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Until we opened on the ship and him being on there with, uh, what's her name? And I really was... hope they do something with him, give him something to do of some import, because otherwise it's just going to be some kind of like interstitial boring scenes of him learning things and struggling and, oh, I'm having trouble walking up the stairs because I'm fat Samwell and people will make fun of him or something like that. He was most interesting when he took a stand. Yeah. Right? And, and when everything he had something did. to contribute. Sure. And when he took her away from the from the wall mm-hmm. and broke his oath, uh, that was a really big step for him. Right. Given his issues with his father and all the things that he was dealing with. So the idea that he's going to go down and and train to be a maester and help John through knowledge is as he's imagining it. Right. Uh, you know, I think this is all this is all um uh, he's trying to define his own life, which is exciting, mm-hmm. and I really don't want to see him fall back into uh, comic relief or you know that poor sop. Exactly. Uh-huh. I love the idea of him getting to the Citadel and suddenly becoming like, oh, this is what I was supposed to be. This is this is how I learn things. This is where my confidence comes from. This is how I can help save the realms of man. I, I would love to see Samwell become something more along those lines, and not just because I grew up being a fat kid that liked to read. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, so he, so is his, is his uh, father going to be who uh what's his name's gonna be playing from uh from uh deadwood deadwood no um tits and dragons is playing a uh, to the best of my knowledge tits and dragons is playing a priest that works on a small area that i'm assuming um gwendolyn christie what's her name i can't remember her character's name now um 
Brienne is going to run across. Um, huh. In the books, if he's playing the character that he was in the books, he's a priest that claims to have buried the Hound and has his helm. But there's... Huh rumors that the hound is on the grounds of the church and the monastery and just not being the hound kind of thing but that's where the books ended as far as we know is that there's just rumors that maybe the hound isn't dead but he's playing the priest that claims to have buried the hound and like the one guy that can actually say he's seen the dead body of him well uh you so you said prior in one of the one of our previous uh, sessions that, um, you know, it's very noticeable when they don't kill someone on screen. Right. It means something. We were talking about whether or not Stannis being killed off screen was an indication that he survived. And I was saying I thought it was just because it felt like the the final the, the poetic justice for a guy who was trying so hard to be important and then was right <laughs> undercut in every way until the last cut. Um, but, you know, the hound was also conspicuously left. Right. Alive. And right. again, in the training of Arya, the Eye of the Tiger montage, they asked about the Hound, <laughs> right? Eye of the Wolf for Arya. That's right. That's right. <laughs> she so she didn't get is that so the 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 daughter Starks didn't get uh, dire wolves. No, right? they all got dire wolves. Lady was killed. Ned Stark killed Lady Sansa's wolf. And as last we saw of Nymeria, which was Arya's wolf, it was loose in the woods. Now in hmm. the books there are rumors scattered throughout the last couple of books of a pack of wolves killing lannister soldiers that's led by an unusually large wolf wow and that's all cool. assumptions are that uh, nymeria is out there somewhere with a pack of wolves killing soldiers and that kind of thing but we don't know for sure what the fate is did ned kill Sansa's wolf because the king demanded it was something like that. Yeah, something was like some that. Some sort of obligation to do it. I don't remember what. Yeah, that was, I, I think it all stuff. came down to like Lady. I can't remember what happened. Like it threatened one of the king's servants' kids or some crap like that. Uh, it was like okay. totally a setup. Um, there's been a lot of wolf deaths. And I don't like it. Yeah, no. That was another thing in the in the Ramsey scene was the. Uh, that crazy ice hook thing. Yeah, yeah. Why? I don't know why they were carrying that with them. They're just like, winter's coming. We better bring our ice pick. I know. <laughs> Where are the frozen bugs? It, it actually so, seemed a little too small for me too. I mean, I know Shaggy Dog wasn't the biggest of the of the dire wolves, but it didn't seem that large. Uh, so, so Al Swearingen or Ian McShane? Yes. Uh, so he in the he's maybe playing the character in the books that is claiming to have buried the hound, but right. maybe did not really bury the hound. Okay, right. That's interesting because I really want the hound to come back. Yes, me too. We have the mountain. We need the hound. I mean, this is just begging for something. Yeah. Something. Actually, there was a lot of mountain stuff uh, that I really liked this episode. They confirmed we think it the like a zombie. Right. Right. Yeah, they confirmed that he's got a little more oomph to him and they actually they confirmed our question about whether he was out there just wandering past the guy that was pissing or but it sounds like he was legitimately sent out there because the queen is like oh he's talking about me naked go kill him (laughs) (laughs) everything about him in this episode was awesome him scaring the the kids him uh 
the, the maester making those comments and him looking at him. And right. Like this. Uh, just uh, and then the idea that they think that their end game is going to be forcing the sparrows into a, you know, that Cersei going on trial and having a, a you know, a, a whatever it is like an honor fighter or whatever. Right. To defend, yeah. The trial by combat. To, yeah. Trial by combat determine her innocence. And I don't know. I can't imagine that the sparrows follow that logic for. <laughs> And yeah, unless they're, I mean, they're pretty fast and loose with the laws of the kingdom for them to follow the one where they're like, well, this worked out really well for the queen last time. Let's go ahead and do it again. Well, because the sparrows are working. I mean, the king sparrow, whatever his name is, is saying that uh, God is speaking to him. Right. And that all these people are committing these sins and the sins are absolute and you can't explain them away. Right. So no way that trial by combat could defend your could could absolve you of guilt not, right because not realistically happen. no so to me that was a, made me think that the lannisters are again grasping at the tools that they know versus you know right. innovating that's yeah. kind of like a denial maybe yeah i don't know i i'm really curious to see where that goes because it's clear that that's why she has the mountain lurking there and she's really that's where her confidence is coming from right now is the assumption that she can do trial by combat and that nobody they have could possibly stand up against this dude but we'll have to see i'm curious to see what ends up happening with that i'd like to see the mountain uh do something a little more thorough than just standing around looking super creepy but smashing brains right I did like that uh, scene where the entire small councils, they show up and they're like, uh, we're all leaving now. That's, I was just going to say the same thing. I thought that was a really important scene for showing the decay of the Lannisters' control mm-hmm. over the kingdom that the council walked away from them. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they would and not all, dare they're all do spineless that. Except for the uncle and the, uh, the queen's mother. Yes, who I, I was really happy to see Diane Rigg back. She's awesome. Again, you haven't seen uh, Yumi and the Apocalypse, which is the uh, the show that has the actor on it who uh, played uh, Daenerys's would-be almost husband uh, who was a slaver who then got killed. And I told oh, you right. he's on, Yumi and the Apocalypse is this stoner. Um, Diane Riggs is also on it in a character that's very, very different than oh, interesting. the Queen's mother. And uh, it's, it's always fun to see her. She's yeah, I love her. She's such a great actress. <clears throat> um, so... Let's see what else. The uh, you know uh, that whole thing where the the sparrow, the king sparrow, mm-hmm. whatever, what's he called, the high sparrow, high sparrow, high sparrow? yeah, high sparrow. He's so savvy. Oh, he's he, good. He, he took down the king and spun. It, it, he so as it was happening, I was thinking, <laughs> my, was he trying to like? How's he gonna? Do, how's this gonna work? I know that um, Tommen mm-hmm. is uh, is very gullible. Yeah, and young. But what was amazing <clears throat> about that narrative was not only did he spin him down into feel, like manipulating him into feeling like he he wants to be good and just, so therefore what the high maybe what the the sparrows are saying is the right thing, and right, you know. But then also he actually wove in guilt by basically saying your mother's doing all this for you, not right. because she really wants to be absolved of sin. So therefore, if there's a conflict with you. It affects her. Right. Like, it was. It was like a threat that he's not even processing. 
yeah, he was just so slick. He he became kind of a little bit of a father figure for Tommen and slipped in some words that his father had said, minus the God stuff kind of thing, <laughs> or his grandfather, I guess. And, yeah, it was really slick the way they had him kind of manipulate the king in an extremely kind of grandfatherly fashion. I thought that was really interesting. Wow, to turn all to, – to put Tommen in a position where he was already feeling guilty – Right. To put him in a position where he's being told, but well, everything everything that's happened to your mother and will happen to your mother is because she loves you. Right. That's very powerful. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting, too, that Tommen has already been manipulated to the point that he was basically there to talk about his mom and not his wife that's rotting in the basement somewhere. (laughs) That's exactly right. At the beginning of that scene, I said, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really kind of a a slick take there on what Tommen does and how easy he's manipulated. So another thing that was a big deal was Bronze Warging. That was kind of a letdown for me. Oh, but okay, so there's two things. I first of all, I don't think that they um I think they could have set up the combat with young Ned, although that was good casting. Mm-hmm. I think they could have set up the context of that scene in a way that helped us understand it a little bit more. Right. With maybe Max von Sydow, the tree man, giving a little, a brief little primer to remind us that this is the, this is the last of the right. last of the, of the rebellion. He should have stood there and been like the tower of sorrows. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bodice ripping. And, and that what was so important, I mean, they did try with the with the dialogue to suggest that Bram's like, wait a minute. He very clearly he defeated this. Is he? Did he? You know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I got it, but I felt like that could have been broadcasted a little bit differently. Yeah, but, I um, agree. I was it, that scene seemed for the readers of the books more than the watchers of the TV series. It was one of those things where they threw it in and they wanted to tease you the whole time leading up to it. Oh, who's this? Oh, look, he's got the dragon. Oh, who's this guy? He looks like Ned. And the whole thing was just, it was kind of anticlimactic in a lot of ways. And it wasn't in a way that you're like, oh my God, Ned lied about something, which is really the only takeaway from that scene for the most part. I, th- I felt though, so yeah. The, the implication is that this was his honor. This was his honor story, right? And, this, and and they did in a little after the episode narrative. They're talking about well, you know, he's the right most righteous guy in this in Westeros, and mm-hmm. and maybe his story isn't as pure as it, it sounded. But to me, I can imagine in the same way that Ned took Jon Snow, right, and and all of the pain that that caused Caitlin and all of the, or Catelyn mm-hmm. and all of the, you know, the political implications of it and took him as his own son, even though it's not right. In the same way I can see <clears throat> Ned begrudgingly accepting this, this, uh, this rumor about him or this right. story, this tale about his celebrity, you know, for the good of restoring the kingdom. Because Absolutely. if, if the story is about that, they, they blindsided the guy, um, yeah, and basically hunted down the killed six and, of us, and then we stabbed him in the back, kind of thing. Yeah. Although, what's challenging about the way that they structured that scene is that they had six soldiers surrounding him, and he's fighting them on, on, at all sides. Right. So there was nothing controversial about being stabbed in the neck, other than 
the camera focus made it so that he and you didn't realize that there was another active participant. But, you know, (laughs) it was six against one at one point. Yeah, exactly. Chopping it down. So there was not. So I don't know. You don't take chances and act honorably with you. Take him out when you can take him out because you're not going to get another chance. Well, yeah. I mean, it. I don't I think, think there was dishonorable about the six guys against him either because it was in his in his face. They all fanned out, and he's like, "Okay, I'll take you out." Right. I, I, I think, think the, the this is he that the story continues that Ned was the only one. Right. Well, and I think this scene was really designed to set up two things. I think it was designed to show that Ned is capable of some sort of deceit, leading yes. up to the whole Jon Snow thing. And that Bran may have some influence on yes. his visions. That was the that was the money moment of that scene. Yeah, and Sidal was Sidal the Tree Man <laughs> was was sidestepping it. Yes, right? really trying to dodge it, but it was um, you know that was the most interesting part of the whole scene. Absolutely, right? you could see a lot of promise for some some intrigue. And and also, you know, the rumors that uh, maybe uh, Sean Bean was coming back for some mm-hmm. scenes with all these warging flashbacks. It seems almost destined to happen now, right? Yeah, it would be great, even if it's just one episode with a short shot or something of a more contemporary Ned Stark would be great. I'd love to see that. Well, last time you and I were talking about, and I and I had uh, <clears throat> I had suggested that I thought maybe there was a chance that Brom was going was the man in the tree, mm-hmm. and that. Or some sort of time space thing happening, and then this right. episode, at least on the face of it, confirmed that was not the case because he said, You you will not be in a tree. That's true, that is true. Yeah, I've been waiting for you, and that's why I've been stuck in the roots or whatever it is. Um, I continue to be annoyed that he's not, he doesn't have some cool prosthetics of roots going up into his chest cavity or something <laughs> cool. Yeah, he just looks like he's sitting in a, awkwardly in an overbuilt uh throne of. Trump, yeah, Trump, they need but. some indication as to how, like, actually grown into that he is. Yeah. Do you think that the first the first man, woman, <laughs> you right, woman, uh, is going to be important to the storyline? I mean, I, for them to put that much work into the prosthetics and stuff, right. makes me think that she's got reason to be there. I would assume that maybe. I, I don't know because there there's an implication that there's a whole group of those children of the forests kind of hanging out there and that kind of thing, but they've only shown the one. So I don't know if it's one of those things where maybe he builds an army of tree people or something and they they put on a stage play of Fern Gully. I'm not really sure exactly <laughs> what's going to go on there. I don't know. I'm curious. It's not something that I'm like, oh, my God, I really need to know more. But it it does seem really kind of strange. In the books, are they the elves of Game of Thrones? Basically. Or is that just the, I, yeah. You know, they're barely in the books in any capacity outside of just legends. So I, I, I always took them as basically his version of the elves. Yeah. Or fairies, maybe even like the forest yeah, right. fairies. Yeah. Sense. So what else? We have uh, well, we Castle had a, Black. We had a pretty solid scene at Castle Black. That was probably the one most people were waiting for because they – and I think they were smart to open with that scene. I think that was yes. a given. I liked that they – I think I liked that instead of dragging it out at all, they just literally had uh, – what's his name? Standing in the doorway when he wakes up. Well, we had a, like, a nice long shot of his quivering eyes and yeah. him like, processing – 
processing it for real. This atheist is going, well, <laughs> right. Yeah, this happened. And I liked how Kit Harrington touched the wounds and he oh, had like yeah. some actual depth to them. And he just seems so rough, like he'd so gone old. through something else. Yeah. And and how great was it that, uh, well, it wasn't something that Davos was shaken by mm-hmm. his comment to the Red Woman that there was nothing. It was just black. Yeah. He didn't have some sort of righteous uh, interview with, with her white god or any of that or the fire god or whatever right. it is that she's, she follows. That it was, no, he was just inky black. I was dead. And yeah. Now I'm back. There was nothing and now I'm back. Yeah, but I I'm thought aware, that was. But I'm aware of the nothing. Right. Like, it's not like the last thing he remembers is being stabbed. He remembers right. nothing. And then he remembers waking up. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how Melisandre for this season, they've basically built her up and then smacked her back down. This and the last season, really. Every time she's done something to reaffirm that she has real genuine power, immediately after they're like, but maybe it's not a god kind of thing. <laughs> and that's a very good point. She thinks that this that she's following the, the this one god, but maybe her powers are not coming from where she thinks they are. Right. It's a very good point. I didn't think about that. I liked her wide-eyed. She just comes in, just, yeah, right, scoping him with those those eyes. I thought that was really great. It was subtle, but it was it was powerful. Yeah, it was that She's was a like, great oh, scene. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! I like that he was cold. I like that he seemed very weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I like that he was he seemed to be completely nude. Shattered, yes. (laughs) Back muscles did not wither at all in 48 hours of death, whatever it is. Um, He he seemed to be shattered by this existential crisis of being Mm -hmm. alive. And Davos directly said it. You were alive, then you're dead, and now you're not. It doesn't matter why. Right. I failed, you know, and then he says, you know, good, we'll go out there and fail some more. Yeah. Uh, I thought all of Davos' lines and stuff, once again, it was odd that he was his character was shoehorned into this position, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that they did because he's the actor to do it. Absolutely. I love that guy. Yeah, me too. Leon Cunningham uh-huh. is just Leon amazing. Yeah. Did you know him from somewhere else before? Uh, I'd seen him in one other thing, if I remember right. He's been in some other stuff since, like he was in that Clash of the Titans remake um, and a couple of other things. But prior to this, he's been in a lot of like European things. Oh, really? Um, God, what was it he was in that I'd seen? It wasn't super long before it. Imdiva. Mm, He's only been acting since 92. Um, hmm. He was in, like, A Little Princess. Oh, Cracker. He was in a couple episodes of a TV show called Cracker. Oh, was he? Which, yeah, with, uh, with uh, God, Robbie Coltrane. Oh right, and it, that's an excellent series. I it's got three seasons. It's really good, um, and yeah, he was in a couple episodes of that, and that was the only thing I'd seen him in prior to this. I still contend that based on the end of last episode, mm-hmm. I I still think that the way that this should have gone is they put uh, Jon Snow on a pyre mm-hmm. and they light it. And then he and then he rises out of the pyre and walks out into, you know, into the world unburnt. Right. Because that would have been the great Targaryen connection and also would have been 
even it was like if you could make anything scarier than someone coming back from the dead, how about them coming back from the dead in fire? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, you know, and also it would have been an interesting counterpoint to the snow and everything of the mm-hmm. wall and all of the imagery of how cold it is. However, on the other hand, um, just like everybody who's been wounded and are dying out in the snow in the battles that we've mm-hmm. seen and how brutal that looks being cold. Right. Um, uh, I loved how vulnerable he looked putting his clothes on and then walking out there in the, in the snow that's falling and then confronting the people. Yeah. That whole thing was so great. I think they really handled the, um, I think they really handled the presentation of Jon Snow to the, to the wildlings and few mm-hmm. remaining guardsmen that were there. Um, very well. The one thing I was expecting was people were going to drop a knee. Like I thought right. people were gonna drop, the wildlings wouldn't have dropped a knee, but right. I think I thought that people were going to act like he's total God. They're going to just, drop which is always a very powerful mm-hmm. scene but in a way i'm glad they didn't do that yeah i mean when you're talking about the night's watch where they spend so much of their time living so close to things that come back from the dead that you must fear it kind of makes sense that john snow's return was so low-key and kind of tentative and like they didn't know exactly what to expect from him, whether he's a god or a demon or a white walker. I kind of liked that they they kept it as <clears throat> just kind of quiet and unspoken in it. I thought that was pretty interesting. He made a couple of comments to his people, like uh, you know, the, those those funny those old those old jokes about you know don't 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 put me on the pyre just yet, and, right? You know, little things like is it really you and he kind of makes comments like i think it is and whatever um i was actually expecting more of a response from the crowd like is he a walker because these are all people right. who just experienced all that they were just chased one of the most expensive episodes in television <laughs> history they were just chased across the wall by a horde of zombies including a lot of their their fallen family members exactly so i thought that there was gonna be more of a comment but um the 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 stoic, nervous uh, gazes was still, you know, mm-hmm. that was sufficient. And yeah. I loved how, what's his name, who run, who leads the wildlings. Like, I loved his, the way he, the way he sort of approached it. And it was yeah. really cool, that whole thing. Um, and then how about the uh, the hanging scene? It was good. I, I had assumed that they were going to behead them. I, I think the, the hanging was a lot more powerful. And it was a lot less gratuitous. I was worried that they were going to have him chop off the two guys' heads and then the main guy's head and then little little Polly. And that it was going to be a lot more almost like kind of an exploitative scene. And instead, like, it was really, like, gripping and intense. And, like, the the shot of the the face after he had actually oh, died yeah. was just really good i was really impressed with that yeah alisair was also like really work yeah i mean they got some fun prosthetics of the bulging eyeballs and yeah the weird things and how how uh how uh bled out of blood that the, the the heads looked um i was expecting game of thrones excessive style that there was just gonna be flying feces and right you know, all kinds of horrible things and someone that wasn't maybe one of those uh didn't didn't quite die from the hanging and has to be hacked right you know? But uh, it was really powerful. And you could see him. You're waiting for him to to not do it. Like you're waiting for him to not hit the rope. Like you just can't deal. And then when he does it and they're all twisting, there's that moment where he flinches. Did you see that? Where he kind of. Yeah. I thought he was going to attempt to cut down Ollie. Yeah, I was sure that's what was going to happen there. 
I was really surprised when it didn't, but I'm kind of happy that it didn't too, because that was something that was definitely a Ned Stark thing. How cool was uh, Alistair Thorne's Alistair Thorne? Is that his name? Alistair, yeah, something like that. How cool was his line where he said, "You know, I, you know, I fought my battle, whatever. I made my move and I failed, mm-hmm. and I'm done. Yeah, you going to be fighting your battles forever, implying that he's immortal." Right. Or that he assumes that Jon Snow is immortal and that that's that he's not going to get the rest that Thorne is, thinks he's about to get. Or <laughs> right. I thought that was interesting, an interesting turn of phrase. So, yeah, that was cool. Strangulation. Um, and uh, <laughs> he, he walked out and the only thing that was missing and it really pissed me off as he walks out. Mm-hmm. I watch just ended. There wasn't a wolf wandering past with him. Like, yeah. I wanted I wanted a um, ghost needed to, to be there away. walking behind him or to the side or something. Yeah. I think that was one scene where they definitely shouldn't have skimped on the special effects because it would have been really good. Yeah, I agree. So um, anything else in this episode that we should talk about? I mean, obviously, Arya got her uh, her eyes back, but we kind of well, we had the, the little Tyrion scene that didn't really change oh, right. much. Um, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really fun interactions and some conversation. I liked that a lot. It didn't amount to much, but and but I guess it did. It was an important scene, but it wasn't played that way. It, right. it played, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It, it almost played. Uh, it was too underwhelming to me his mm-hmm. interaction with the with the unsullied and, and what's her name. But but what I what I took away from it though that I thought was interesting was that uh, Varys mm-hmm. is saying that he does still trust his army of little birds. Right, trust men. And the beginning of the episode, uh, mad, mad scientist Mace or whatever his name <laughs> right. is, was trying to turn the turn the little birds of King's Landing. Yeah, which I so, really had assumed he was going to poison those little kids and so just did I. have them drop right there. <laughs> but you can see a con- I mean, that's that to me is setting up a really interesting problem. Yeah, that, you know, he he believes thoroughly in that system of spies for himself mm-hmm. i mean i loved his inter- interaction with the with with the woman and all that his 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 ha- his smiling threats and all that yeah. the whole sequence is awesome i love that actor but his reliance on his little bird system and then actually starting the episode seeing them being undermined is setting the stage for you know something bad well and it really makes you wonder too which way it's going to go are those kids going to spy on king's landing just as much I mean, if if they can get to Varys, there's no reason they couldn't continue to rely on him as well kind of thing. So it should be pretty interesting. Anything else we didn't see? We saw clips from next episode that will have some... You know, I haven't actually seen the coming up next part. The first time I saw it. I don't know why I didn't see it the other times, but this time hmm. I saw it. Yeah, I didn't see it this time. Hmm. I, I usually look it up the next day or so, but I have not yet. There's going to be some Greyjoy stuff. and Nice. And, uh, I think that's all they really showed. Greyjoy and then, I don't know. Something some doors else opening anyway. and closing, a couple of words. Oh, yes. Oh, sure. <laughs> Candle flicker. Right. <laughs> An unsheathing of a sword. Yes. It's... So I think that's about it. Yeah, it I think episode. that was episode uh-huh. three. Yeah, no, good episode. I'm excited about the next one. We will have to figure out when we're doing the podcast for it. Oh, right, because you're going to be at the con. Well, but I'll be at the con that Sunday, but I'll be back Monday, Tuesday, so we could record uh, one of those days. That'll, sure. that'll work. 
we have to get on it as soon as like as soon after the episode airs as possible, so that we yes. can, can process all of our white hot <laughs> opinions and commentary. <laughs> no one else on the internet has. Yes, no one else has watched this episode and then talked about it afterwards. Only yeah. us here at Robot Kraken. Uh, and just think, when we talk about Civil War, that will be unique too. Uh, overall, though, I thought this episode was one where it was a it was like a functional plot based one. Yeah, like it, wasn't, it didn't have the it didn't have the dramatic tension and sort of explosiveness of the second one. It didn't have the place setting of the first one. Right. It was a things happening episode, but I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do too. I was, you know, considering when you look back at exactly how much happened, a lot more actually happened in this episode than the last one. It's just most of it was really super low key, like the subversion of the, the sparrows and, or the little birds and, John Snow's back, and like a lot of stuff happened. Like we we totally skipped over Marine, not Marine, oh. uh, Daenerys mm. going to the. Because well, nothing happened there. Yeah, and I'm not and I'm not thrilled by that storyline. Yeah, yet. yeah. I'm assuming something interesting is going to happen there at some point, but right now it's just Daenerys being in peril and being cocky about it, but not knowing what's going to happen, kind of thing. More of the uh, symbolism of being disrobed as a sign, as a symbol of losing your, right. your power and respect. Um, <clears throat> for women, anyway, right? Right. Uh, if a male disrobes on Game of Thrones, then they're powerful in their latissimus dorsi. But um, yeah, exactly. If it's female getting disrobed, <laughs> then they're being shamed. Um, yeah, we skipped that part. But I mean, overall, I think it was. Um, here's my problem: I don't like knowing where I am in an episode. I don't know. I don't like to know mm. how much more is coming. And this was an episode where I didn't know – I got the sense that it was going to end any minute because I felt like a lot was happening. But I didn't know where I was in the in the timing of it. Right. And it's something that in contrast when I saw Civil War, mm-hmm. I saw it – and we'll talk about this. But I saw it at the theater where you have food and drinks mm-hmm. and they bring you the bill 20 minutes before the end. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that would drive me crazy. I mean, I, I don't see any way around it, mm-hmm. but it's something that really bothers me because, you know, I don't need the reminder that I know this is the clock is ticking and I know I have 20 minutes left to the episode. Right. But anyway, so that was what Game of Thrones Oathbreaker. Yes, Oathbreaker. And I guess we should say at the very end, Jon Snow walks away breaking his oath. But do you consider him having broke his oath since he died? It's a very good question. And the other the other character that was seen for the first time this season in this episode was Sam mm-hmm. who did break his oath. Very true. Actually. Yeah. I mean, that was a full confirmation too, where she called him his son kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sam was actually more of an oath breaker in that respect. If you consider John having fulfilled his oath because he died. Well, Oh, oh you know, actually that makes me think of one thing about the, uh, the uh, Dothraki storyline that I did like, which was mm-hmm. the um, the eldest, so the the the, the den mother mm-hmm. said, "Well, I don't know what's going." She, she's like, "Oh, is there another option for me?" Kind of thing, and she says, "Well, you know, you you went off to try to conquer the world after your after your husband died, um, instead of coming right here like you're supposed to. So, so right. technically, you broke the rules." And she's thinking this means there's a loophole in the system, but then the den mother's saying, "Or it just means that you you might just be not yeah. protected." Might not be protected by this harem or whatever this is that we're in. This yeah, they may just zone. decide to kill you. Um, but it still left. I mean, it still was an opening. There's something mm-hmm. different about her experience than those other women 
which will lead to a conflict that maybe she can use. So that'll be right. All right. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Episode three. We'll be back next week with episode four. So I guess that about brings us to a close on this episode of Robot Kraken. Can't believe we talked about so much in so little time. So much, so little. Yeah. This has been a little briefer than our – normally we go for three hours about an hour-long program, but (laughs) – well, but the next next the next time we talk, we're talking about Civil War, which means we'll have eighteen hours of content to talk about a two and a half hour movie. Undoubtedly, yeah, crammed into seventeen hours of content because we know how to condense. Oh sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if somebody wants to get a hold of us, Tom, where can they go? Uh, for me, you can email me at t h o m tom at thirdraildesignlab dot com or find me through all the various social media mechanisms as Third Rail Design Lab or TRDL, depending. And what about you? Well, you can go to deeplydapper.com for me. That's also my username on all of the associated social media sites. Uh, Or you can email me at deeplydapper at gmail.com. No funny spellings there. It's just deeply and dapper. Mm. (laughs) Or, of course, they can always go to our website, robot-kraken.com. Daily news updates, all kinds of really sweet graphics and gifts. We have a group on Facebook if you would prefer to get your information via the Facebook. You can email us there too. It's salty at robot-kraken.com. So you're really emailing me at that point. So if you want to talk to Tom twice, you can send to both of those addresses. (laughs) Carbon copy. (laughs) Yes, just cut and paste it. He likes to get multiple emails saying the same thing. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I think that wraps it up. I believe it does. Shall we put the Kraken? Shall we unrelease the Kraken? Let's unrelease the Kraken. Let's put should it back in the its Kraken? cage. <laughs> Here, boy. Much quieter Here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Much quieter than releasing the Kraken. It is. Yeah, it's it just a little. Back, sulks back into the bloop, chamber bloop, or whatever bloop. it is. <laughs> we just pour a little bit of Kraken spiced rum onto the, the, the floor ah, of its cell and it swims in and scoops it up. Dragging a, a crush sailing vessel behind it or something. <laughs> <It's legit. laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, have a good night. <laughs>